Hello and welcome back. Thanks for joining me again on the Three Things Podcast. I'm John Mitchell and I'm glad to have you today. Thanks for joining me. You're going to hear some dog in the background today. I've got a crazy German short-haired pointer puppy who is uh, just excited that the weather has warmed up a little bit today. So she is all over the place and you're going to hear her in the background. But hopefully it won't distract you as much as it's distracting me. Um, Excited to be back with you. Excited to talk to you today about your imagination. I've been working on this for a while. And um, hope it says something to you today and hope it moves you like preparing for it has moved me. So excited to get a chance to talk with you Um, here in Indiana. It is cold and it is rainy at times. And just today it started warming up a little bit um, and starting to feel like uh, like at least the dog is ready to get out and go crazy. So um Really glad to uh, to give you a deep breath today and to get one myself. So um, I'm going to jump right into this thing today. Not exactly sure how long I'm going to have. I'm just going to let it go. Um, I've been studying a lot, been reading a lot. I got a lot of quotes today. Um, I can't get enough of quotes re- recently. Um, and <laughs> I just read an article about how many quotes that are out on Pinterest and memes um, are completely false. So I've been really trying to hit it pretty hard researching where these things come came from and not just taking them at face value. But man, sometimes somebody says something um, that is a, sort of a culmination of their life or is a, um, a distilled version of some sort of wisdom that they've gained over their life. And Usually it's attached to the name of somebody that I already respect. I very rarely hear a quote from someone I've never heard of and think it was incredibly moving, although it has happened. Um, the ones, the quotes that I've got for you today um, come from history, from great leaders, um, also people that, I hesitate to call them great people, um, because I don't know. Uh, what I know about them seems as though they have been through many struggles and have come out the other end with perspective that is very useful for me. And I hope it is for you today too. Um, I want to start with a quote from somebody that I really respect, but only have over the last few years. Um, Stephen Covey, Stephen Covey, if you haven't heard of him, um, you probably haven't read a leadership book in the last 10 years because so many people use his quotes and use his research and even his philosophies in their own writings. Um, Stephen Covey wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and uh, made a lot of money doing it, but also influenced a lot of companies, a lot of leaders, um, a lot of employees. And he, it, towards the end of his life, um, I mean, he said so many things in there. I'm moved by a lot of them. But towards the end of his life, he said something that sort of, it surprised me and where I read it, um, the author was also surprised that he had written towards the end of his life this strange kind of a phrase that um, got passed over and it came up to me recently and it kind of caused me to start thinking about imagination. Um, And the quote is this, comes from Stephen Covey. He says, live out of your imagination and not your history. Um, it's an interesting comment to make. Um, if he'd have made it when he was 
22 years old and just starting, it would have been one thing. But coming towards the end of his life after he had so much history, after he had done so many good things um, and created so much um, just intellectual fodder and and so much um, theory and great conversation around leadership and business, he, he kind of... He kind of summarizes some of it with live out of your imagination and not your history. Um, And I've thought a lot about it over the last, oh, it's probably been three or four months um, as I've been preparing talks and preparing um, podcasts that, man, there's something just really profound the more I dug into the thought of living out of the future instead of out of the past. Um and it comes from also a, a, a realization I've had about um, this residue of my soul. And, and you've heard me talk about that before if you've listened to this podcast. The idea that that are the things that happen in our life, good and bad, um, cause residue sort of in our in our soul. At the deepest part of who we are, we end up with this... Um, this residual tension or residual, maybe it's trust issues, maybe um, maybe relationships that have been broken in our lives have caused us to be hesitant about future relationships. Maybe starting a new business with wide eyes and excited thoughts and big pictures um, that maybe ended poorly caused this sense of just um, exhaustion maybe mentally, maybe physically, spiritually. Um, and it, it creates this, um, this cloudy soul, at least it has in me. Um, I've talked about it before. I, I started a production company, video production company, um, early 2002. Um, my wife and I did, and, you know, with big, big, bright, potential and, you know, really big ideas for the future, um, started off really well. And honestly didn't, I ended with customers and ideas and new things, but from a business perspective, I just could not pull off what needed to be done and ended up selling the company and better things came on the the heels of it. And it was, it ended up being what it needed to be. But to this day, the concept and the thought of imagination I immediately um, immediately have this tension between um, wanting a future that is different than what I have and maybe um, wanting to be optimistic about what's next in my life, but at the same time knowing that I've felt that way before <laughs> and been disappointed. Um, and, and apparently Stephen Covey says that fighting that and living with that tension and it, it it creates something in you and I that um, makes us better. Walt Disney said it too. Disney said, yeah, listen to that. Stephen Covey and Walt Disney in the same five minutes. How about that? Um, Walt Disney said, every child is born blessed with a vivid imagination. But just as a muscle grows flabby with disuse, so the bright imagination of a child pales in later years if he ceases to exercise it. Um you know, you know Disney's um, history now um, that he tapped into imagine the imagination of children and his own imagination, 
And he went on to say that he found the best leaders as adults were people who could somehow clear the fog of history in their life. That, um, that sort of a murky thing that happens with the residue of, of maybe mistakes or maybe just life that comes with a, a broken history. And the people that could clear those, those moments away and could see and could tap into that thing that Disney says every child is born with, those people became better leaders. They became more, um, more impacting of their environments. And it got me thinking that there are some things that I believe, and I, I'm not sure this is true of every human, but I know it's true of me. And I've had conversations, like I said, maybe three or four months with a lot of good friends and family who have agreed that at the heart of each of us, um, just like Disney said, is this child or this, the deepest part of who we are that still wants us to live out of imagination, out of what's next, not just out of the past and out of being broken, but out of truthfully what could be in our life. JFK, um, is famous for saying that we need more people who see things that aren't there. <laughs> I love that. And I believe it fervently. And the older I get, the more I start to make it a point to clear the residue of my past so that I can think like that, so that I can be one of those humans. And I'm not doing a great job yet, but I, I'm wondering if maybe you feel the way I do today. And if you do, if you feel as though you're living out of your history that is that you are making decisions and you're thinking about the future based on the things that have happened in your past. And you may call that wisdom, and then there's truth in that, that it is wisdom. But sometimes we get so stuck there that we don't think about um, a broad, a exciting, an optimistic, potentially drastically different future. Um, and it may cause us to miss out. And because of that today, I want to speak to you about three things that I believe your imagination may be whispering to you. Um, I know that sounds ethereal and may sound funny to you, but the thought that at the deepest part of who you are, Walt Disney would say, you were born with um, this vivid imagination, this uh, ability to not be encumbered by reality, <laughs> but to make your own. And I am starting to believe because I'm I'm starting to listen for it that at the deepest part of in, of me there are there is something that longs again for imagination and that it's whispering some things into my life and as I've spoken to friends and family um, over the past few months, we've found some things in common that I'm hoping you do too. And so I'm just going to start with it. Here it is. The first thing that I believe your imagination is whispering to you all the time, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, whether you are getting ready to embark on a new job, whether you are getting ready to retire, whatever it is, I think your imagination is constantly whispering to you, what's next? Where are we going? Where are we going? Like, what's next? It, even if, if you're retiring, even if you're coming to the end of something, even if you feel like you're about to take a break, um, especially maybe in those moments. Um, there is a part of you that is whispering, what's next? 
this can't just be the end of something. It has to be the beginning of something too, <laughs> because that's, that's how, that's how we were created. That's how we were born. Each of us with this, this vivid imagination that won't settle for just living out of history, but once what's next Reese and I, um, in July this year it was his 10th birthday. And we went, we went zip lining, which I've talked about before. It was one of my, one of my favorite trips as a human, not just as a dad, as a person, it was an incredible thing. Underground zip lining in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, un- unbelievable experience. Um, the, probably the most fun of it, as fun as it was to do it practically, was preparing for it. Talking about, we decided we were going to camp the night before. We decided, um, you know, how we were going to get down there, what we were going to eat on the way. And it was months. This was Reese's adventure birthday at age 10, July 1st, uh, 2018. And we could not have been more excited as we drove to Louisville. And that concept um, of of an imagination that was sort of untethered by history or very much of it. I I got to spend time with a 10 year old on a three hour drive, just listening to him verbalize what he was picturing about what was about to happen. And honestly, I, I was busy at work. I was, I was, you know, just like grownups do. I was consumed with things that seem more important. And it took me an hour into the into the drive to realize that what Reese was doing and what he was verbalizing was profound and that it was speaking to a part of me that, that I deeply needed to, to re-engage. And on that trip, I got to zip line and I got to hang with my best buddy and I got to build campfires in July and I got to all these things. But personally, one of the things that happened to me is I realized one of the things I've been missing in my life. Um, and that is that my imagination has been whispering and I've been ignoring it or, or because I've been living out of history, I've, I've been clouding what the future looks like based on residue from the past. I remember we just had an amazing time at the zipline place and it was Obviously, nowhere near what Reese could have imagined in his wildest dreams, but he also wasn't disappointed. It was different, and it was amazing in other ways, and it, it, it stretched him in new ways. And we talked about that for about seven minutes when we left because he was so tired. And before we even got out of Louisville, he was laying in my lap asleep. Um, and I don't remember where it was, but somewhere on the way home, he woke up, and he had he must have just woke up and realized what we had done and where he was. And he looked straight up at me. I'm driving. I looked down at him. I said, well, there you are. You seem pretty tired. And he looked up and without even a hesitation, he said, dad, what's next? (laughs) Like, like I love what just happened, but I, I am completely consumed by wanting another experience, a a new thing, another, uh, more food for my imagination. Um, and we began to talk about what's next. What does it look like for us to do something else? And so, um, I, by that time I had let my imagination go and we were talking about all kinds of, uh, sites and things we had never seen either one of us that we could do in our lifetime. Um, and it comes with this sense of freedom that probably caused a guy like Walt Disney 
to picture um, mom and dads dropping thousands of dollars <laughs> and a lot of it on soda to bring their kids to a place um, where things are different than anywhere else in the world where, you know, he would say dreams come true. Um, and it's out of those kinds of moments when you can think about the future instead of get caught in your own residue of the past that amazing things begin to happen. So the second thing your imagination might be whispering to you is kind of right on the heels of the first one. Not just what's next or where are we going, but why? You know, you if you've raised kids, you know this. there is a why phase in your children that is incredibly annoying. <laughs> but I often wonder if, as I've been researching this, if... If that why phase, you know, where they ask why every 30 seconds, like, you know, not just why do we have to do this or, but it's everything. I mean, it's, it's everything you do, um, whether it's, it's just, you know, it's time to go to bed. Why eat your green beans? Why, um, it's, we're going to church again. Why, you know, whatever it is, I just, I'm starting to wonder, that annoying phase, I wonder if that is the imagination of our children going, there has to be some reason. Like, there's got to be more to this than it's Monday or it's Sunday and it's time to go to church. There has to be more than just, I do this because I did it yesterday and this is what we do here. Or um, it is, you know, we pay the bills, um, we get up in the morning, we go to school, we come home, we do it again the next day. Why? <laughs> and the truth is, if you, come, if you get to a point in your life where you stop asking that question, you might be living out of history instead of imagination. If you get to any point in your life, and on a sem, at least semi-regular basis, you're not going, okay, why? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and being able to honestly ask and answer that, you are suppressing the deepest part of you. You're suppressing your imagination or the deepest part of you who who knows that there is significance behind every breath we take. Our kids know it. They're born with it. And we can do one of two things as parents. We can be annoyed by that question and and it's really hard not to be. <laughs> or we can begin to give good, thoughtful answers. Why do we do this? What is this in our life? And what bigger purpose does it, does it, does it uh, mean in our life? So your imagination is always, or that deepest part of you is always considering what's at stake. What, I want to do something that matters. And if I'm going to do something, I want it to matter. <laughs> Those are the two things that, that happen in a child's heart and mind often that as adults we tend to lose. And then often we have what, when I was a kid, we don't call it this anymore. When I was a kid, a lot of people called it a midlife crisis. And it was often what grownups talked about as a balding guy who bought a red convertible and ran away with a secretary, you know, <laughs> partially because he was probably asking why. Why am I doing this? Every breath I take matters. And I'm ha- I have less than I had yesterday left. And I need to do something with them. And so, you know, I, I, I'd study the life of Jesus. You know that if you've listened to this before. And I, 
I'm not interested necessarily in any of the religion that surrounds it, but the life I am infatuated with, a life like Jesus talked about. And he found the lowest of the low, but he also found people who were the unexpected. They weren't Walt Disney. They weren't Stephen Covey. Um, They were you and me. I mean, they were at one point he comes across fishermen, fishermen, the fishermen that he found were fishermen who, who were doing the every day. These were Walmart employees. These were the fast food employee of the day. These were the, the minimum wage worker, mass um, humanity kinds of people that Jesus went to out of all the people that he could have gone to. He chose a few guys that were in a profession that seemed as though there was no why. Um, fishing wasn't much like it is for me now, at least, and there's still a large part of the world who fishes this way. But when we think of fishing, we often think of a bobber and a Saturday afternoon and a sleepy guy in a chair. But at this point, Jesus ran into people who were fishing for a living and a, a kind of a, a really hard living, fighting the elements and often... Um, really not knowing what they're going to make and how much how they're going to live, and so he meets these guys and and he says, um, "You guys are fishing, and you want more. Like there's there's a why that I know you're asking in your life." And he resonates with these people at the deepest part of who they are, and they're young. I mean, these are really young kids at this point. I mean, I, maybe in the teen years. And he, he says, you guys have been fishing, which is work. How would you like to come? And, and the original language is something, Jesus would have said something like, you've been fishing for fish. How would you like to come and, and fish for people who are looking for more? How would you like to come and make your life less about the day-to-day work that you do and more about human beings connecting with the deepest part of who they are? Now, the interesting thing is we don't have any evidence that these guys totally quit their jobs at that moment. Now, they left their nets, and we have, we have evidence that they, at, they ended up doing ministry with Jesus for three years at least, and they ended up doing ministry after that, and they, they got a lot of their, their needs met through the ministry in that way. But it wasn't that Jesus was just saying, hey, stop working and go do something more important. He was saying that while you do what you do, if you could listen to the deepest part of who you are whispering to you that there is something bigger at stake than just fishing, that there are people um, that are at stake and there are lives that you can impact. And in the long run, that is the why that your soul desires, that your imagination is moving you towards, is an impact on the rest of us. Um, and fishing was good. But fishing for people who were looking for hope was so much better. Um, and Jesus was calling these groups of people not just to follow him around and do what he did, although that was a big part of what they ended up doing. He's calling them to, to listen to the part of them that is the deepest, to not be colored by the residue. You know, these these guys were so young. And I often wonder, why would he choose, 
young kids. I mean, it's one thing to choose fishermen or, you know, the, the mass, uh, minimum wage worker. I understand that after watching his ministry, but why would he choose such young kids? Why not choose grownups? And I don't know this for sure, but as I've been doing this research about imagination, I'm almost wondering if, if these were the people who were most, um, open to listening to their imagination, they didn't have enough history yet to be so clouded that they couldn't still hear the question why and what's next. And so Jesus says, there's a bigger why. There's something more than just fishing. And by the way, I'm going to take you there. So he answers immediately two of the three questions that their imagination is whispering. Is there something bigger than fishing? Yes, there is. And is there something more than just getting in the boat and going out here every day? Or is there something more than just feeding my face and trying to survive another day? And Jesus says, yeah, come with me. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. And then the third question that my imagination is asking me all the time, um, and I think the older I get, if I, can, if I can listen, the louder this part of it gets. And the question is this, can I play? <laughs> like, what can I do? What what can I uniquely do? It reminds me, I use the words, can I play? Because it reminds me of, you know, what I used to say when I was a kid and the older kids in the neighborhood were playing baseball in the, you know, empty lot next to our house. And you go up and the very first question you ask, man, it's awesome. These kids are playing baseball and it, they're amazing and they're good athletes. And the next question is just, it's, it's not enough for me just to watch. My question is, I want to play. I got to get in there. You know, and so it's it your 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 soul your your imagination is constantly angling for how can I do something? How can I be involved? And you can see why when people retire, when people get fired from a job, or when they make this major transition, there is this this amazing moment in the balance where they can either choose to sort of hit cruise control and coast, or they can start to answer the questions that their imagination is whispering. What's next? Why are we doing that? And what can I do? How can I play? What can I do to, to be involved in things that matter? With my life, um, the older I get, the more I want to take the things I'm learning about my imagination, about my soul, about, um, happiness about, I mean, all these three things that I'm coming up with, I want to figure out how my kids can get them ingrained in who they are before I did. You know what I mean? I I would love to be able to um, talk to my kids a little bit differently, knowing that right now, each of them, London's 13, Reese is 10, each of them is in, are in this moment where their imagination is vivid and alive and optimistic and clear um, and untethered by expectations even. And at the same time, they're going to school and they're hearing grown-ups with great intentions say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they have categories. Um and if my son says I'm going to be an NFL football player, even though he's 70 pounds dripping wet and really doesn't, you know, play football that much anymore, 
um, there's a, a look that grownups give him that begin to let him know where the boundaries are with the future. Um, <laughs> there's a comedian that I love that I won't say the name because not necessarily everything he says is something you would like. And I, I've offended enough people. But um, the comedian I love that says that he, he doesn't understand this this concept in high school, especially of like the trades where we have these trade schools that are just for electricians or just for HVAC. And because he says, it's like, we, we like to tell all of our kids at one time, you guys can do anything. Now you guys over there, you can do two things, <laughs> you know, and it's like, we've, we've kind of said at an early age, when you grow up, you're going to do HVAC. Or when you grow up, what do you mean when I grow up? I'm 13. I'm I'm 15. I could be anything between 15 and 24. You know, and and there is a sense of that that's wise and good planning and all of that. And at the same time, my kids are are their their imaginations are are loud in their life. And if I'm not careful, I give them just the wrong kind of look where I begin to to add to the residue of their imagination. I begin to cloud, I begin to to quiet that voice. And I squelch it with my own history. That's what I fear most about the residue of history. That it's not just that it affects me, and the whispers about where I'm going, why I'm going there, and whether or not I'm going to be involved. But if I'm not careful, I impose it on the very people I love the most. The people who are closest to me begin to get foggy, begin to get cloudy, and I begin to, even accidentally, my pessimism or my attitude or my just ever so... um, pessimistic look when Reese mentions something or my daughter mentions something that is a little bit bigger in scope than what I had imagined for them. All it takes is a comment. All it takes is a moment, a glance to begin to, to soften the voice of that imagination. What could I do as a parent to give them hope, to give them realistic expectations, to give them uh, the kind of energy and effort they need to be able to succeed at the next level in college and all of those things. And at the same time, allow them to live out of their imagination and not out of their history or out of my history. Albert Einstein, I told you I had a lot of quotes today. I'm going to end with Einstein. He says the true sign of intelligence, this is Albert freaking Einstein says the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge. I mean, I'm just going to stop there for a second. That's not the end of the quote. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge. I mean, I I think most of us assume that if we want to be more intelligent, what we need is more knowledge, more podcasts, more books, um, more cable television news (laughs) so that we can get more knowledge about the politics and the situation and understand and be able to talk and be able to, that we need to read more, that we need to... Einstein says, again, towards the end of his life, when he has been thought of as one of the most knowledgeable people in history, he says the true sign of intelligence is not knowledge. Really? 
then what is the sign of intelligence? Like, how do you know someone's smart if you don't, if it's not about what they know? And he says it's about imagination. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. It's not knowing things. It's seeing things that aren't there yet. E equals MC squared wasn't there. His theory of relativity, his understanding of physics, these are all things that didn't come out of his knowledge. Maybe knowledge helped him um, have the freedom to think that way in a way. But those things came out of him seeing things that weren't there, out of him being clear enough, clearing the residue of his history enough to be able to listen and be able to see things that weren't there. So what about you? What's tomorrow like for you? You already got it worked out? Your Google Calendar already telling you what tomorrow looks like? You got a 1 o'clock, you got a 2 o'clock, got to take the kids at 5.30. Uh, what are we going to have for dinner tomorrow? Probably that, this a little more of that macaroni and cheese, and the kids will eat that, and Reese probably won't even touch that again, and then we'll go to bed at 9 o'clock, and then what's Tuesday look like? So you're already doing it. You got a plan, but could you begin to stop and listen to the deepest part of you that's whispering, what's next? There's more than just what's for dinner tomorrow night. Why, why are we doing this? And could I be involved? The deepest part of who I am, can I play? So may you and may your imagination, may you clear the flotsam, may you clear the stuff, may you clear the residue that's caught in your soul coming from your history so that you can recapture the imagination that you were born with may you live out of that imagination and not just out of your history may you respond to the whispers that have been speaking to you since you were born excited that you're still listening thankful that you <laughs> that you may get something out of my rumblings, out of the things that are going on in my soul. And really thankful that you have taken the time to be open and get a deep breath to hear from your imagination today. God bless you.